Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast, the podcast for event professionals who want to stay out of the game by hearing from leading innovators in the event industry. My name is Miguel Neves and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of EventMB. In this episode, titled Humanizing Event Tech, I have the pleasure of speaking with Anne Nguyen, Head of Community Engagement at Twine. In this episode, Anne and I cover some great topics around the humanizing of event tech. We talk about why the high we get from in-person events is hard to replicate in virtual events. We talk about how listening to planners is crucial to developing great event technology. We talk about the tangible value of raw and human social media. We talk about how the saturation of virtual events is causing reduced attendance and rushed production. We talk about how virtual event audiences are exhausted and how the novelty of virtual events is long gone. And we talk about why asynchronous communication technology will play an important part in the future of events. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and I invite you to check out other episodes of the Event Manager Podcast with tips and insights from today's most influential event professionals. You can find all the episodes on our website or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast service. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Anne Nguyen, the uh, Head of Community Engagement at Twine. Thank you for joining us, Anne. Thanks, Miguel. You have like a different podcast voice. I know. I get my podcast voice on when I'm recording. But um, Anne and I uh, go way back. I mean, I don't know how far back we do go. Like, we've never really met consciously in real life, which I think is the... Um, the most interesting about this, but we've we've connected quite a bit over the pandemic and uh, and even pre-pandemic, maybe slightly. One, one pandemic year counts as like ten real life years. So exactly. So I, I'm curious to know, and I think listeners will be curious to know how you got into the industry. Um, how did you find this crazy industry? Uh, I found this industry like everyone else mostly by accident. Um, when I was in university college, I didn't realize that this was a profession you could go into that people would pay you to do full time. So I did a lot of volunteering. I always enjoyed organizing and convening people. And through my volunteer work, I met someone that was working in the event planning industry. And I had a degree in sort of operations management and information systems and was going to go be a business analyst. One time I made a great business analyst just sitting at my computer all day. Um, and he was like, well, you should come plan events instead. And so I was what, 21 and really didn't have anything to lose. So I don't use my operations management degree that much, but went and did that. And yeah, that was what, 15 years ago, no, 20 years ago. Oh, God. And you've worked in event management, event planning ever since through that time? Ever since. Yep. Never, never really went back. <laughs> what kind of events have you planned just to get an idea? 
Um, so we mostly do corporate association or not-for-profit clients. So trade shows, conferences, most of our clients are, um, or were pre-twine associations that, um, any random association you could ever think of has, you know, an annual conference. So we've worked with lots of those clients for recurring annual every year. Um, mostly that kind of work associations, corporate. And have you always worked for yourself or did you? Did you work no, as part no, of other no, organizations no. before? I, I think most people that eventually work for themselves have had bosses that lots of, I had lots of great bosses, actually lots of good mentors. And um, so for the first five or six years of my career, I worked at this agency and then um, decided to start my own about, yeah, 14 years ago. I don't know. My timelines are all messed up. It's like 20, <laughs> it's almost 2022. I'm old. It's, it's the COVID years that they, they count for more, right? So they it's blur to... together. Yeah. Great. And then we really connected over this GMID goes virtual event, uh, which was yeah. 18 months ago, roughly. Um, so April. <laughs> yes. Feels like an eternity. You can't talk about it anymore. Nobody wants to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I mean, but let's just give give some context. I mean, it all started with a tweet, and I want to talk a little bit about your use of social media as well. But you you tweeted out something along the lines of, "GMIDs cancel this year. Why don't we organize our own event and and do something pretty spectacular?" Yeah. Right? You, you, did you mention the world record attempt in, in did, the original I tweet? Did. I did. Yeah. I said, "Let's try to let's try to set a world record for, I don't know, most people." at an online meeting. And that was before we like discovered all the intricacies of what that actually meant with Guinness. But yeah, yeah. tweeted that. And then like a couple crazy people like you, um, Mary Lou, Sean, those types were like, let's do this. And yeah, so that's how we met. But yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy to believe that it was almost two years ago. Yeah, and it's week. interesting to reflect on, you know, it was it was a long, it, it was a long time ago, but you know, short and in, in, in you know overall terms but also just how much the feeling and mentality and everything has changed right i mean yeah. this was this was kind of march mid-march 2020 when you tweeted out so it took us about a month to get everything together yeah we had no idea what covid really had in store for us vaccination wasn't even you know we sort of we never really thought about it at that point it was just this crazy thing that was happening and i remember in the polls that we ran I think most people figured that by the end of the summer, everything would be over and back to normal, uh, you know, but it was just this, we, we ended, we ended up having 12 and a half thousand people join. We were going for 15,000, didn't quite make it, but it, there was this moment in the industry where everybody was like, what the, how do we figure this out? And everybody got together and there was this really kind of community feeling that, that felt great. I remember, you know, finishing the event and being on a total high, even though I was you know, it wasn't a re it wasn't a physical event. It was a virtual event, the first of many. Um, so it was a very interesting time, very different to, to now. Are you are you still feeling like that these days after after virtual events? I think it's it's a very different time, right? I think we, we've we've done so many virtual events and and so much online, um, not because we want to necessarily, but because we had to. Um, I I don't know. It's hard to get that feeling back. It's hard to get that high. Um, I think when I do it, when we do a good event, so when we do a great event at Event MB, one of the summits, I, I do get a high at the end of it, but it's different. You know, it's not like suddenly you had a a warm community around you that got together and was just sort of right. hugging, doing a virtual hug. Still, I think that was a 
Yeah. You still just shut down your computer and you're, you're by yourself. <laughs> going, yeah. going, going to the I dishes, re- your laundry. Yeah. I remember because I was working at this small kind of uh, shared office space, but I had my own little corner, so I was fine to work there. And that's where I did the GMID goes virtual bit. I was the MC or one of the MCs. And then I remember walking home and I recorded a short video and kind of posted it on Twitter. And it was just this surreal feeling of like, wow, that was cool. Now I'm going to go home and make dinner. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Like I think I spent the rest of the day after just refreshing twitter and going on linkedin and like looking yearning for that like connection right like even um we're just so naturally wired to connect with each other as humans that that's like that's like where you migrate to and it's really hard in a virtual world where you know you shut down your computer and it's yeah. over and and you have all this pent up energy and where where do you put it like i i find that element for sure very very different and i just did our first um, so in addition to Twine, we still have our event planning agency. And um, I stepped in and helped with one of these, our first return to in-person events. And it it was just very different, right? Like it, it was nothing exciting. It was a hundred person conference for surgeons up in the mountains here in Alberta. And, but the energy you get from just being surrounded by other people and you know, all of the funny things that happen to you on site that you forget about, like all of that kind of stuff. It's really hard to replicate online. I would say now having, having that comparison so recently, I wonder if I a marketing... as, I work for a, as I work for a virtual event technology company. <laughs> exactly. I wonder if a marketing of a, of a virtual event, if it's a good one, of course, could be something like get the high of a, of a physical event online or something, you know, cause, cause I don't think that's, we don't talk about deliver. that. Yeah, then yeah. you have to deliver that, which which I think people are still trying to figure out. Oh. Okay. So so let's talk a little bit about the technology. You're you're now head of community engagement at Twine. I remember when yeah. you joined Twine, you talked about joining the dark side. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and I always feel like that, that's an interesting expression. And I, I I've been asking this to a few people, you know, why do we call it the dark side? Oh, well, for lots of reasons, I think. Well, I think, you know, you know better than anyone where this all started was when the pandemic happened. We, as planners, were like inundated with all these event technology companies claiming to be sort of the revolutionary solution to to all of our life's problems at the time. And um, that's, that's where this event prospering shit came from, right? Was we got together and we just thought, there must be a better way for us to experience and learn about technology as event professionals. Again, rooted back in that feeling of community. And um, I think we called it the, well, we call it the dark side because they, there are some pretty antiquated ways of selling that they, they employ or used to employ. I don't know. Like I would say I'm biased now because I am on the other side, but I I would say that certain brands out there have made strides to be more community oriented, to be more invested in the industry that they're selling into and showing real support of of event professionals and incorporating them more into product design and all that kind of stuff. And I've learned a whole bunch being on the other side of things we used to take take for granted as event planners. But um, I think it was just, quite a difference in mentality between how they approached the the industry versus what we needed from them as as planners at the time right when the pandemic hit now it's interesting i mean your your title 
says a lot, right? Head of community engagement. It, it sounds like you're trying not to be the dark side, right? It sounds <laughs> like you're you're doing your best to engage the community of planners. I mean, how do you see it now? Like being on the other side, is it is it is it valid? Are we wrong in you know having that reference of the dark side, or are our companies doing things differently these days? I, I think that the companies that are doing a good job of listening to planners and to the extent of, you know, incorporating them as part of their, their leadership, like places like Twine have done or Swap Card, Hop In, um, getting that perspective is really important. We have lots of meetings where I sit down with our head of product, Taylor, and he talks me through all the technical um, limitations. And I tell him, well, this is what a planner is going to want to do. They're going to want to be able to X, Y, Z. And he talks me through why that can and cannot work right from either a technical perspective or a timeline perspective. And those types of conversations help both of our sides understand where the other person's coming from more. And now it's about finding ways of sharing those types of conversations with the broader public, right? Like, um, for us to understand like planners, things I've learned, like, why can't you just add a button there that does this? It's, it seems like so easy. Right. And to understand the churn that that causes in terms of our, our, uh, quarterly planning and what was in the roadmap versus just adding something like that and what it delays all of that kind of stuff, which we don't often think about. And planners also, um, have, have reputations of being, they're impatient or they don't respond until they need something. And then all of a sudden it's urgent. And some of that is driven by our end client. Right. But, um, learning to, to just compromise work together a little bit, seeing where the other side is coming from. I think some of that is happening for sure. Um, and I think if, if you're a tech company, that's not listening to that and not incorporating that voice into your planning and, and product planning, that's probably going to be a misstep for you. Right. Because, everything's so connected and we all have such a platform and a voice now that um, one, one misstep and it's all over social media. And if you haven't built up that trust bank, you have nothing to draw from, then it's going to be pretty detrimental in, in a marketplace that's so saturated and competitive, right? So all you're doing is trying to build up a, a, a base of trust that you, you're going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes, but it's like, you know what? That's okay. They're working at it. They're being honest. They're being transparent about it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's getting better. And I think that some brands are, are understanding the importance of having a buyer, their, their buyer persona at the table with them so they can understand this market better. Cause we're a pretty like weird industry when you think about it, right? You sell a product and it's so episodic in terms of I'm putting everything I have towards this one thing. It's going to spike. There's this big climax. And then like, I'm not going to talk to you for another year. Like that's hard to sell tech into um, versus the more traditional SaaS, SaaS model of subscription-based annual revenue, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think there's lots to learn still, but I'm optimistic about the progress we've made. Less dark side. <laughs> No, it sounds like there's there's really interesting progress there. And obviously having planners be part of the conversation makes a lot of sense. I wonder if planners, we've seen in our research that planners are much more comfortable with technology. Do you think that that being more comfortable with technology is also going to help them 
you know, provide better feedback or be a bit more realistic over what's possible rather than make sort of, you know, why can't you put a big button there that says this or whatever kind of right. request? Yeah, I think so. Like I saw you guys came out with a, an article last week on the, or a, a research study on integrations, right? Like, is that a thing you would have ever done three years ago? Like the technical details of working with an engineering team and what APIs are and like, like that, I think our vernacular about technology and our learning as an industry has certainly been expedited by the pandemic. And I think that does help, right? It's more just um, being willing to learn about something that's very different and very new to you and um, being okay, kind of being a beginner at it and resources like, like yours that help um, help bridge that gap. I mean, I shared that white paper with our team, our engineering team. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they, they enjoyed some of the like, be patient with IT professionals. <laughs> we had like a good laugh internally about still some of the like, you know, understanding of the other side. But I think that all of that will help to, to bridge, bridge the gap. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, I think a lot of advice that's in it is, is all about good communication, but it, it does feel like IT and, and planning teams don't normally talk in great terms on great terms, right? <laughs> right. They're, they're normally right. a little bit scared of each other would rather avoid each other as much as possible. So hopefully that the, the report is helpful to kind of bring those teams together. Yeah. Kind of those types of resources, companies that will like bring someone like me who has no sort of IT background into um, their, their leadership team to sit with their head of product, like that kind of stuff all will certainly help. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I want to quickly touch on your use of social media, because I know that you're I, I, I think you've said this before, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you see your, especially Twitter, I think, as a sort of therapy uh, that you kind of get your thoughts out there and kind of see what the world responds or how the world responds to them. Yeah, sometimes I forget that people are reading it, for sure. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I forget that I now have a boss that's reading it. So um, Lawrence has some fun adventures, just waiting for what I'm going to tweet. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's like we were saying in a world that is physically kind of disconnected right now, my social media, especially my Twitter feed is certainly how I stay in contact with lots of my, my community. Right. So it, um, it has almost been a replacement for being able to see people and see what they're doing. And, but it's also, it's so accessible that the number of people that we've met, like, like you and I met online, right? Like that kind of stuff there's real tangible value in the network that you're building online and, and your brand. And I don't know, I've never really like, um, I'm probably not intentional enough about my, my online brand and the Leanne Calderwoods of the world would probably could teach me a couple of things about being more planned about it, but it, um, it's just like a place where I find you can be a little bit more real if you choose to and be a little bit more human. And that's kind of how I think of, twi of Twitter and social media is I, I think I speak the same way that I tweet and I tweet the same way as I talk when you, when you sit down and talk to me. And that's like something I try hard to maintain is that authenticity. It does sound like if you were to plan it out too much, you might be um, 
foregoing some of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't even really, I sometimes will schedule a tweet. Like if it's something that I'm like, I need to tweet this out. If it's a something about an event or something, but nine times out of 10, it's just like off the fly on my phone. I don't really schedule a lot of things, but um, yeah. And then you kind of ca catch me out tweeting at random hours and you're like, yeah. why are you still awake? <laughs> when you reply at three in the morning your time it's like Miguel go to bed but you have a newborn so I'm just assuming you're you're tweeting while you're doing a nighttime feeding absolutely so fun question for you how do you explain to your family what you do <laughs> well um it well it's complicated because I do a lot of things so in in so at Twine, I'm responsible for community engagement. Some of that includes like some of our marketing activities. And so, so Twine is like what we call like virtual networking solution, recreating the lunch break or the water cooler. My mom has no idea what that means, right? And I try to convince my parents to come plank with me every Wednesday. And <laughs> my, my stepdad's like a complete introvert. So the idea of exercising with a stranger online He's not, he's not really into that, but so they've seen it. I've done a twine demo for them. So they know that. And then in addition to that, I still run this, um, spark event collective, which is like now become more of a, um, like a collective of planners that pool the work. And so it's, it's hard. Like I have a hard time explaining what I do to people who know what I do, right? Like the, I, I think that the model of how people work and the gig economy and, all of that stuff makes it really hard to explain to my grandpa, like, what's your job? So at a really basic level, I, I tell them I plan events. <laughs> and if they're like slightly more interested, then it's like I, I do some work in event technology. But honestly, that's about as far as it gets. <laughs> like, like does... no one wants the intricacies of, of the platform or the, how the agency works. Like, how do you explain what you do? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole can of worms, but just to get, just to stay on you for a second, when you say plan events, do they understand that? Yeah, but they understand it in the context of like traditional, what I used to do, right? Because I've been doing it for a long time. So they would understand that piece, but what the pandemic has done to our industry and the flexibility it has created in terms of, you can work from anywhere, you can have multiple roles, you can take on contracts, you can consult on event tech you can be like it's it's it is hard to explain <laughs> and i want to know how you explain it well I, I i don't i mean i i um i think that the challenging thing is with being editor-in-chief of event mb it's like i i essentially run an online publication right that's that that i think most people understand that it's like okay so you run a sort of newspaper or magazine in a sense, but online. It's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But I think for a lot of people, the fact that it's just an online, I mean, it is ultimately a website. That is what it is, right? I run a website. I, I manage the content that goes on a website. But if you say it in those terms, I think you lose a lot of people immediately. Totally. You can't you can't just manage a website. Like you get paid to manage a website. That totally. I have I think I have a girlfriend who is convinced that I like invented Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> she's like so far removed from the world of like business meetings and events that I think she does tell people she knows that I like invented zoom and I'm like <laughs> we would be going on a lot more fun vacations if I invented zoom. <laughs> yeah but I think like what's exciting about your role is 
I realize you're, you're kind of, you know, explaining in the sense that you work in technology, but if you're trying to explain what your unique job role is, it gets really complex, right? Because you're kind of like, I, I try to understand, or I try to communicate and engage with people who plan events so that they use this piece of technology. Totally. Right? <laughs> yeah. I tell, I tell people that I, at Twine, I represent our, our buyer persona, right? So I bring that experience and mindset to this company, but yeah, if it's like, if it's my, my family, like it, it talks to a lot, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. It still highlights the fact that our industry is so misunderstood and unclear to the general public um that if you don't know what event mb is because you're not entrenched in in this industry and it's not you know for us it would be like a really well-known entity but yeah if you're outside the world it's like yeah miguel you run a website and like i sell i sell zoom basically (laughs) and zoom has done a good job of of the general person now understands what zoom does and it's like yeah that's the best i can relate it to and that means we have a long ways to go as an industry of explaining the intricacies and the nuances of what makes it all up but um and then layer on top of that the whole community engagement role which is still a very new sort of burgeoning profession um but yeah i might as well tell my grandpa i'm a dentist like (laughs) so we have a long ways to go which which is exciting but also uh you know can be frustrating at times <laughs> yeah fun question but a, a serious theme at the, at the end of it i think it's important yeah to that. yeah if anyone wants to find out more about how miguel and i really think about this there's like a separate website for that <laughs> <laughs> check out check out another side project that we have <laughs> yeah Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So um, let's talk about challenges. Um, events, we're doing you know, uh, in-person events now, fortunately, many parts of the world, still a lot of virtual events, hybrid being the, the buzzword and a lot of events being made in hybrid ways or hybrid strategies, hybrid styles. Uh, what are the challenges that you're seeing in terms of the events and, and the production? What are people really having trouble with? Yeah, and we're we're recording this what on the morning, the first morning after this Omicron and discovery. So, um, I think at a very high level, the uncertainty in our industry is still a big one, right? Like, um, it it's causing a lot of delay in decision making. People are waiting until the last minute to come up with decisions on what they're going to do with their programs and. Um, so at the root of it, this I can't ignore the stress and the mental health elements that event professionals are certainly going through. Like the to be told to tap into your resilience for now that we're 20 months into this is really hard, right? Like I find it tricky to to find that strength some days. So I think that's a big piece that 
we talk, we're starting to talk about more, but from a, from a production and more tan tactical perspective, um, we're dealing with so many things. The, the oversaturation of content, uh, in the world right now. So everyone and their, their dog is putting out a, a webinar every week, a, an event training content podcasts, um, that I think our threshold for consumption of content is, is, has hit its max. So I don't know how much, you know, what you're seeing, but attendance across the board, engagement across the board, people sign up for stuff. The, the percentage of people that actually show up is way less than it was, um, you know, 20 months ago. And so that then makes it hard to justify an investment in this stuff. And so then it takes, people are taking less time to do it. They're putting less into it. The quality of this, some of the stuff that's being put out there is lower. And then it's just like this vicious cycle that I sometimes think we should all just like take a big pause where it's like for, for two months, nobody put out any content, right? Just give, give us a chance to like catch up on the two years worth of stuff that's out there. And then like, let's restart in 2022. Like I, I tweeted the other day where it's like, I don't have time to read that 40 page thing I downloaded four months ago or watch that webinar. Like, I think the ease of virtual events has made it almost like a, like it commoditized it, right? It's just like, I'm just going to put out something as, as often as I can and who knows what's going to happen. But I feel like people are just extremely overwhelmed by, by content being asked for their attention on stuff attention yeah that's that's definitely a challenge but in terms of the production of events in terms of the delivery of events um is that also a content challenge or are there other challenges that you're seeing kind of planners being faced with yeah i think we talked about this a little bit before we hit record was like the novelty of all the virtual event stuff is gone right like exactly what you said when we did gmi Deagle's virtual it was like wow this is cool. None of, a lot of people had never attended a virtual event or planned one. I think that, um, yeah, people are probably a little bit tired of attending online events and, and miss the human connection of it. Um, we, we talked a little bit about you can put investment into extra production and make it a big edited show and, broadcast level quality and i think that that what works is still novelty right it's like cool for an hour or a couple of episodes of something and then again it just gets back to this is just one more thing vying for my attention in a world where i'm already like stressed to the max and i'm already doing as as much as i can to balance the commitments that i have with lots of people having no rest over the last two years, right? That um, I think, yeah, but I think that the, the novelty of all of this is gone. The excitement and the original buzz of online and virtual and even hybrid events is, is a little bit gone. And um, we're, we're gonna see probably quite a little bit of a dip in virtual and online events. I mean, working for an event technology company, I, I'm certainly, of the belief that it's not going anywhere, but we're gonna sort of find a, a healthy settling point once the pendulum swings stop of 
we're all on lockdown, so we're all online. We can all go back in person, so let's all go and do that. You know, um, I think it'll settle out somewhere eventually, but right now, I I feel like people are just exhausted of being yeah asked asked to watch something. So even the production of it is like you can make it as great as you want, but it people are people are kind of tired of it. I don't know. <laughs> My opinion. Well, thank you for. I mean, it's very honest of you, and I think it's always good to hear that. And I think you know, you're you're what you're saying. I think will resonate with a lot of people. I don't know, but I think on the flip side, you know, there's there's. Not well, I think no, it's important. Not. You know, that's why you're 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 head of community engagement, right? Because you understand what people are feeling. That's that's important. But what about the technology side? I mean, what's what's exciting for you? What have you seen technology wise that you think may be a bright spark and maybe kind of. Um, lead people in a different way that might improve, might make them excited about hybrid events or virtual events. Yeah. And, and that this answer is probably going to veer a little bit out of the realm of traditional event answers, but we have started to do a lot of digging into the future of work. So, um, thinking about the, the inevitable continuation of remote work, um, and learning about the different technologies that exist to help people keep their ability to work from home, all of the pros of being able to be at home, be more with your family. If you have young kids like you and I do, working at home obviously helps that. Um, and the whole host of technology that exists to help people feel reconnected at the office, right? So, so you know, Twine certainly helps with that in the sense of trying to recreate those water cooler conversations. As we dig into that, we've learned a lot more about different Slack integrations that um, make life feel easier remotely. There is, um, you know, the, this isn't really technology, but the whole idea of asynchronous, well, this is technology, technologies like Loom and, and that kind of stuff where you can now share knowledge and work with a team and not be in the same place. Like that's the stuff that starts to get me a little bit more excited and especially the role that event planners can play in that because it's such an underserved market of um, what we're talking about now is creating experiences, right? So even, even things like onboarding new employees, imagine finishing your old job on Friday, you shut down your laptop, and then on Monday you start a new job, but you're in you're in the exact same place. You just turn on your computer again. That's really anticlimactic, right? And if event planners and event technology and, and different types of technology can help make that experience feel a little bit more human, that's the stuff that starts to get us a bit more jazzed and, and me a bit more jazzed at, at Twine is um I'm a little bit over the different types of virtual event platforms. I don't even like thinking about metaverse and all of that stuff like really hurts my brain. <laughs> but, the, but the idea like getting back to the core of we spend so much of our time at work and if there's technologies and if there's ways to make that experience better in a remote world um, that has been overlooked for so long by by event planners, that I think is cool. You know, like the the making yep. work feel human again um that think, let, for me is more exciting than like here's my here's my facebook avatar i don't even have facebook so i don't even know what's happening <laughs> well i think i think there's a lot to unpack there um but why don't to particularly pick on that idea of asynchronous technology you know that idea of um 
that idea of not necessarily focusing on more exciting virtual events, but actually shifting towards accepting that we're in this hybrid workforce, that we like working remotely and that our lives are relatively kind of straightforward. You know, they're, they're relatively kind of on a straight line. We, we like having that safety of, of working from home. And, and, you know, if you have young children, that kind of thing. And there may be, you know, it sounded like what you were saying is maybe we should focus on how to make these work moments really interesting rather than trying to take what we used to do in person or what we sometimes do in person and, and try to do it online is really shift that and think about, okay, there are things that I just need to do every day or, or things that I need to do with my team or whatever. And how do I make those exciting? And how do I make those things work? Because I'm not in an office and I can't just roll up to the coffee machine and have a chat. I need to ping someone or Slack message them or whatever. And that's not as much fun. So how do we make those interactions interesting? And I think yeah. that could be quite exciting, right? Yeah, like to like to find things we are we want to do in life and then add technology to them to make them more human. So like even just really simple things like Slack added the ability to have a huddle, which is audio only. And so if you're in a conversation, you're in a Slack conversation with a bunch of people um, just turning on this huddle and you all jump into like a really quick phone call, essentially, is what it is. Um, the and the ease of when they added it and the user interface of that makes it makes it a lot more human. They've taken a workflow issue and made it human, right? And Loom is the same thing where it's like, I could write you an email with like 10 steps on how to do this, or I'm gonna like record a video and you're gonna hear my voice and you're gonna see my face. And um, I can tell a joke, right, in the, in the Loom and, all of a sudden we're more connected and we work with a team time zones wise, you would know that are all over the place. And I, I read in, you know, GitLab has a great remote work playbook. That's like asynchronous is the ultimate respect of someone else's time, right? It's like synchronous communications. We think is like all great to like get everyone on a call and brainstorm together. But um, when you can learn how to work a little bit asynchronously, that's the all, there's no way for me to better respect your time, Miguel, than to say, I know that you're like with your kids right now. So don't respond to this, but here's <laughs> a Slack message or a Loom video and respond at your own convenience, right? And, and that those types of leaders who figure out how to manage in that kind of world, um, I, I think are going to do really well. And, and it, this whole thing also overlays a, another passion of mine, which is like leadership, right? So how do you manage people and, and lead them in a remote workforce? You, you have to lean on some of these technologies. So it's, yeah, like I said, at the top of answering this, it's not really event related in the traditional sense. Um, but, but I certainly think that there's a world where our skill set of creating experiences and understanding the end user and that the empathy that event professionals usually have all of that stuff i think can lend itself really powerfully to this this remote workforce problem so do you think that's the future of virtual events i think that the future of virtual events is going to be very customized to when and how your user wants to consume your your content and materials so it's, it, it starts with some of this asynchronous communication. It starts with, you know, I'm going to listen to this, download it, read it at my leisure. The, the idea of 
everyone being available for the same half an hour and coming to my one thing, I think that is going to diminish, especially virtually um, in the future, I think. Interesting. But I don't know. Interesting. And I think you're also working with, with Twine on a number of solutions around that, right? So it's not necessarily for an event or an event in itself, but you can then use it. You can pick when to use it for those special moments when you do want everybody's attention at the same yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. We're not an asynchronous tool, right? We're completely synchronous. Like you have to have more than one person in a Twine for it to work. And I think it, um, it, but we're, we also have a viewpoint of like, eventually we would like it to be easy for anyone to spin up a Twine at an organization and invite people to it you know, from a user generator perspective, but right now it's still certainly someone has to host it. Someone has to organize it and, and plan it. Um, and I, and I still think, you know, we talk a lot about how in-person is still a huge part of that, that's that remote work stack. Like we get together once a quarter in person and there's a company that recently just reached out to us. I can't remember their name, but they specialize in, they have an app that helps you plan your quarterly or annual offsite. Because if you're all working remotely, the one time a year or the four times a year that you get together in person has to matter even more, right? You can't just bring your whole team together once a year in person and then just have them sit in a two-day seminar. That's a complete waste of bringing all those people together, right? So now there's way more opportunity to think about what you're going to do when you have those people in person, Cause I don't think that goes away. Like the, as much as we talk about, you know, we use twine, we, we, you know, test our own product, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing that replaces the three days that we were together in Phoenix last week. Right. Like it, um, yeah. Special and and that's, that won't, yeah, that won't go away. And I think that's a similar analogy to the event world is you and I talked about, there will always be those events where you feel like you have to be there because everyone else is there and you want to go and see people and make those connections. But it's all about like the journey in between and, and the different technologies and tools you can use to, to help in between those times. To make the best of it. And thank you so much for, for this. I think it's been a really interesting conversation. We could be here for hours, but, uh, but let's, yeah. let's wrap up here. If people want, just we could just start recording our calls. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Maybe we'll get a few requests for that. Um, just wanted to ask you the last question, the one that we ask all our guests, uh, for you to recommend a future guest for the Event Manager Podcast. Yeah, I have a really good one, which I'll actually put you in touch with after. His name's Tim Arnold, and he's not in the industry, but he's doing a lot of work on um, polarity and, and holding two conflicting thoughts at the same time and how to manage and lead with that. And I read an article he wrote this morning on the, like, heels of this new variant is like, how do you balance optimism? So hoping that the future will get better and, and you know that even this variant is just going to be like a blip in time versus realism. So I think I think that skill set of being able to be resilient, but, um, you know, realistic and being able to be positive, but, you know, staying grounded in, in facts like that kind of stuff is really important, has been a huge factor in how I've weathered the pandemic. So I'm going to connect you to him. Um, it's not event related, but it's a skill set that I think event professionals could really use to, to help stay sane during this crazy time. So I'm going to actually do it. If I don't do it, ping me. <laughs> the, the, the podcast listeners will hold you to it because they will <laughs> yeah, hope to have him on the podcast. Arnold, <laughs> yeah. 
And thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast to catch up and, and hopefully listeners find this episode interesting. And we touched on some really interesting topics. So really glad you could you could make this happen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com.